It's the Speedway Show, an idea exchange empowering us to live well, live fully, and love deeply. And now, here's our host, Speedway. Put this 
on me. Now that we've gotten those objections out of the way, I'm hoping you'll stick around for the rest of the show to listen to some other perspectives about how you may not have been just a victim and how you, more importantly, have the power to change your circumstances. If you are thinking to yourself, why is it that every woman I date either runs off or cheats on me or doesn't want me back? Why is it that every man I date turns out to be a serial cheater? This show will give you some ideas, and hopefully some of these ideas will, if not address your situation specifically, they will give you some nuggets and places to start that will allow you to dig deeper into your own situation. If you are sitting there fuming with objections and swearing there's no way his or her cheating could possibly be your fault, let me start by reading you just a few titles of books and articles that are up there that may give you cause for pause. Are you ready? No, no, really. Are you ready? Open your mind and listen to these titles. And I'm going to start with a drum roll, even, because we are going to delve into this topic. And it may be uncomfortable, but that's okay, because here we go. First title, Affair Proof Your Marriage. This is an article by Dr. Phil. Five Ways to Affair-Proof Your Marriage. This is on ProjectHappilyEverAfter.com. The Art of Manliness.com website has an article entitled, 14 Ways to Affair-Proof Your Marriage. There is a book called, How to Prevent Your Partner from Cheating by C.V. Connor. Another book is called, Keep Your Pants On. Preventing Infidelity in Your Marriage by Kelly Chicas. Sexual Detours, Infidelity and Intimacy at the Crossroads by Holly Hine. The Truth About Cheating, Why Men Stray and What You Can Do to Prevent It by M. Gary Newman. Now, by the way, all of the links to these articles and books are right there for you on the posting for the show on thespeedwayshow.com. You can also get there if you just type in speedway.com. What I'm hoping you hear from just these titles is that there are apparently specific things that you, yes, you, the victim, can do to minimize the likelihood that your partner is going to stray. Now, in fairness, let's just admit, there are some people who are just going to stray anyway. There are some people who just like the variety, they like the excitement, whatever the reason. They're just that, I would suggest, rather perhaps even minor, um, category of individuals who no matter what you do, no matter how much you love them, no matter how devoted you are, no matter how sex, how much sex you have, um, every night they're just going to stray because, that's just how they are. 
We're not talking about those people today. Um, and if you are married to one of those people, or if that is your significant other, uh, and that's your partner, and you have not heeded uh, perhaps suggestions that celibacy before marriage might be a good thing for just these sort of reasons, um, you can go back to the top of the show and you can vent some more. <laughs> now, if you've been uh, following me, let's take a look at uh, what the Life Manual has to say about um, infidelity from the perspective of the cheater. Now, I have to confess, I am not a biblical scholar. I am not a pastor. I am not a priest and so on and so forth. So these are just my impressions uh, based on my reading of my Life Manual. And for those of you who haven't heard me talk about the Life Manual before, the Life Man I call the Life Manual the thing that is a spiritual guide to how to live life. And it's a manual, right, because it tells you how to live life correctly, how to get the most joy and success and love out of your life. It gives you uh, things, uh, warnings and things not to do. And it also gives you troubleshooting tips for what to do when you run your life off into a ditch. Now, my personal life manual just happens to be the Holy Bible, for some people, I have friends who use the Bhagavad Gita. I have uh, friends who use the um, Hebrew Bible, the Tanakh. And uh, I know that there are a whole lot of people who use the uh, Quran. So that all of those, I say, are life manuals because fundamentally, actually, what a lot, a lot of what they say, not everything they say, certainly, but a lot of what they say about how to live right, is fundamentally the same. So what does the life... Now, the life manual says all sorts of horrible things about infidelity from the cheater's perspective, right? There is condemnation for they that commit adultery. There is, uh, in historic times, you would get stoned for adultery. And uh, so it was a it was a crime punishable by, literally, punishable by death. That's how bad it is. The Life Manual says, once you are married, though, you are your spouse's complete, full, and total source of the kind of physical, emotional, and psychological intimacy at that level that it should exist in your marriage. And this is why there is such condemnation for, for going outside of your marriage, because you are to look only to your spouse for that kind of intimacy and fulfillment. Now, what that means is that your wife is not supposed to be cuddling up to any other guy because she's supposed to be doing that with you. Your husband is not supposed to be caressing the back of any other woman's neck because he should be able to do that with you. Your spouse should certainly not be enjoying sexual intimacy with any other person except you. What that means then is that you, spouse, lover, significant other, have a responsibility to be available and to make intimacy available to your partner. You should be emotionally available, physically available, psychologically available to your spouse. If you are to be your spouse's sole outlet, you cannot absolve yourself of that responsibility. Did I use the word responsibility more than once? Yes, I sure did. Because you may not feel like it. 
It's not that you are supposed to only love your spouse when you want to or when it feels good. You have a responsibility to do it even if you don't feel like it. Now, in fairness, there are times when you might not feel like being available, and I'm not saying that you should be available on demand all the time. But overall, you should be available more often than unavailable. Now, I don't stand here and preach to you and claim that this is, you know, something that I got right because I certainly cannot claim to have gotten this right during the course of my marriage. But you know what? We live, we learn, we have new ideas, we have new concepts, and we get better at it. And this is certainly something that my spouse, my former spouse, certainly did not get right either. So um, these are things that we should all aspire to, and I personally cannot point to anybody that I know married or otherwise, that I can say, oh, yes, they have really nailed it. But we have to aspire to be better, to be more perfect, more loving towards our spouses and significant others. Otherwise, there's no improvement, right? So overall, you should be available more often than not. Marriage isn't about what I feel like and what I want. It's about what is my responsibility to my spouse. If you shirk that responsibility, if you deny your spouse that outlet, you leave them with two options. One, she can find a way to squelch her own needs and desires, and if you pay attention, you may start to see new behaviors you haven't seen in the past. All of a sudden, she is into some sport she is taking on as if her life depends on it. She's not just going jogging every morning. She's training for six marathons at the same time as if the Olympics were just around the corner. She is suddenly seeking God every morning and night, and she didn't even believe in him just three weeks ago. She has picked up some strange bedfellows, and every night she is practically knocking you out of the bed because she is holding on to body pillows for dear life. Now, a note to the fellows who are listening. I had a guy ask me this once. So what does it mean when a woman is holding on to pillows at night? And I didn't have the heart to tell him what I thought it meant. But here's what I think it means. If you have a um, a woman that you are with and you hop into bed and you find that uh, all of a sudden your wife is holding on to body pillows or she's coupling up to pillows You know, it may be a coincidence, especially if she's always been like that. But it may also be a sign that you're not holding things down because she should be holding on to you. And for whatever reason, she has figured out that either you're not interested or you're not welcoming of that kind of intimacy. So here she is compensating with a pillow. And one day, if some other fella comes along and says what guys in these situations often say, I can't believe he lets a gorgeous woman woman like you lie in bed by herself. What an idiot. Why, if you were mine, I would. And so the slide begins down the other side of the hill of happiness, and before you know it, she's gone, and the body pillow and you are laying in bed looking at each other, lost and alone. Ladies, same thing. Suddenly, he's working late at night and throwing himself into hobbies, work, anything else. There might be a reason he doesn't want to be around you. Now, it could just be because 
it's just the way it is and work just kicked into high gear, there might be perfectly good reasons. But sometimes it could be a sign that he is away intentionally for a reason. If he suddenly decides he's going to go to the gym and he's suddenly going to start looking real good and you're not the beneficiary of the real good because he won't let you touch him, that might be a clue. Now, we're not talking today about the natural interests that evolve over time as people grow and take on new things. We're talking specifically about the separation that happens when one partner, for whatever reason, is intentionally or unintentionally neglecting the needs of their spouse or significant other and how that can lead to infidelity and what you can do about it if you are the one who has been cheated on or who might be cheated on. So all that was option one, right? Finding a way to squelch the desires. If that doesn't work, which it often doesn't, then the second option that you have left for your spouse or your significant other, and this may be unintentional, but the only other option really is to find fulfillment in someone else. All the marriage counseling books I've ever read cite this as the classic way that affairs begin. He has a colleague at work, and the two of them over time become friends. She may even be his office spouse. There's actually such a phenomenon where work colleagues take on roles similar to spousal roles in terms of meeting each other's needs, but only in the work context. So anyway, he's got his friends at work. Uh, He's got, uh, you know, particularly perhaps a lady that he works with, a colleague that he works with day in, day out. And one day he comes in feeling particularly down. And she says, hey, what's the matter? Now, they've been friends long enough and they know each other well enough that he feels comfortable confiding in her that things aren't going so well at home. To his surprise, he finds out that perhaps she's in a similar situation or she's been there, done that, and she completely understands. Pretty soon, your husband has a confidant and he starts thinking to her, my, and he starts talking to her, and he starts saying things like, you know, my goodness, you really understand me. Why can't I talk to my wife the way I can talk to you? You are so loving, so warm, so caring. You make me feel like a man. But my wife, she won't let me touch her. She won't listen to a word I say. She won't even give me the respect I deserve. I can't even blah, 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 blah. And on and on he goes about all the things he's not getting at home from you. And, of course, here's this lady who is so receptive and responsive to his pain. She has her own needs, and she feels just as reliant on him. And before you know it, they have this intimate, tight, emotional bond, which over time turns into a physical relationship. And if things really go downhill from there, you find yourself lying in bed wondering why, where your husband is or where your wife is. You know, maybe she's got people blowing up her phone, and it certainly isn't you. She's out at times when you know she's got to be sleeping somewhere and it's not in your marital bed, and you're sitting at home thinking, what the heck? Now you become the victim. And if she ever even thought, to come and share with you 
that there were things that you did to contribute to this situation, well, you can just rewind the show to the very beginning, and that would be your reaction, wouldn't it? (laughs) Now, let's be clear. I'm not trying to say infidelity is ever okay. I'm not saying you should be okay with it or that you should condone it. As a matter of fact, for those of you who are going back to our life manual, my Bible uh, says uh, that, uh, in fact, infidelity is the one and only exception that Jesus gave for when it's okay to divorce your spouse. So I'm not trying to say you should blame yourself for your spouse cheating because that spouse did make a choice. Right, But what I am saying is that you are not just the victim of an unfaithful spouse, of an unfaithful partner, significant other, whatever you want to call them. Sometimes you have a part that in all fairness you may have played in your significant other going outside your marriage to look for other ways to fulfill needs that were not being catered and addressed at home. As someone who has been married, I was married for 13 years, and long before that in my law practice, I did divorce work for a good five years. In every single situation where a marriage falls apart, including my own, I can tell you with great confidence that it is almost never the fault of just one spouse. I have yet to find a single marriage that fell apart where there was only one spouse at fault. If you sit any couple down individually or together and you ask them what their spouse did to kill their marriage, they will each have a list 10 miles long and sometimes even longer. Now, they will probably each deny at least half of the accusations from their spouse's list, but the truth is often somewhere in between those 20 miles of blame. And so what that means is if your marriage ends up on the rocks, it wasn't just the other spouse. In order for you to grow, because the only one who can control your behavior is you, and the only one you can control is you and not your spouse, part of the healing process in forgiving your spouse for whatever happened in that relationship is taking responsibility for the part that you played. Why? Because only by taking responsibility for your contribution can you now give yourself the ability to respond to what happened to you, and only then can you minimize the likelihood that it will happen to you again. So what kinds of ways could you have contributed to your spouse cheating other than what we talked about? Maybe you were just negligent. You stopped caring, stopped paying attention to your spouse. Maybe you thought you had a captive audience. She's married. She's not going anywhere. Maybe you thought, hey, I'm all that and a bag of chips, Doritos even, and he is lucky to have me, and there is nothing that I need to do any different. Yeah, she has expressed her needs to me, but I don't think I need to change anything because this is just the way I am and she can take it or leave it. Why, look at me. I look hot because I take care of myself. I'm at the gym ten times a week. I am great in bed even if it's only in my mind for the two minutes that I am. 
I provide financially for our family. What else could she possibly want? Next thing you know, she's left it, and you're like, hey, where did you go? Maybe she wanted emotional intimacy. Maybe he wanted your time. Maybe she wanted you to be at home participating in the daily household chores so that the two of you could work as a team. If you have let her do all the household chores day in, day out, and then at night you decide you're ready to play and she's mysteriously uninterested, if you've listened to the show, now you don't scratch your head and wonder why. Now you've got some clues. So if your partner is behaving badly, particularly with infidelity or with other things, you know, if your partner isn't talking to you, if your partner isn't connecting with you, if he or she is not treating you the way you want to be treated, know that there may be, this isn't always true, but it's often true, that there may be some things that you are not doing to contribute to this dysfunction that you're seeing. The other thing you can almost always count on is that if you are not happy with your relationship, your partner probably isn't either, no matter what they say. Well, are you still indignant? If so, feel free to go back to the beginning of the show and vent some more. If you're ready to think about solutions, let's explore some of those. Unfortunately, it may be that even if you help with the house uh, housework on that day that you know you want to play, she is still not interested. Maybe you need to go to counseling and address years and years of problems that haven't built up, uh, that have built up, and it may take years to fix it. Maybe your husband is stuck on things you didn't even know were going on that bugged him and you have to address those before you get to the point where you can restore the joy in your relationship. As the voice of experience in this area, what I will strongly suggest to you is don't wait until counseling or talking and every other measure is too little, too late. Another thing, you have to be willing to communicate. You have to be willing to make yourself vulnerable. And I'm not just talking about communicate about the household issues, the chores, and things that need to get done, you need to be willing to communicate about the relationship. And I'm talking to guys in particular because guys hate talking about the relationship to their significant other. I say that because I have a lot of guys that when I tell them about the show, they are willing to just open the floodgates and tell me about their relationships. And I'm like, well, did you tell the girlfriend? Did you tell the spouse? Oh, no, I'm not telling her that. She'd blow a gasket if I told her that. So you have to be willing to talk to your significant other about the relationship. Hey, spouse, I'm not feeling good about this situation. I have these needs, and they are not being met. What is it that I can do to help with this situation and fix this problem? Now, your partner may say, well, that's pretty interesting because the reason I'm not touching you is because I resent certain things that you're doing. You're doing this and this and this and this, and together you can come up with ways to address those things. I confess, that's nirvana, isn't it? Because those of you listeners who have been in a long-term relationship know that it's often never that easy. But you get the idea of what the goal is. So how do you avoid the problem in the first place? Well, Let's start with your choices. If you are in a relationship where your husband beats you, 
you may be able to look back at that time when he broke your nose when you were dating and see that perhaps a different choice back then might have saved you from your current heartache. Most people don't change that much. And so oftentimes we do not take heed of who our significant others are or we make excuses. I think it was Maya Angelou who said, when people show you who you who they are, believe them. Or when people tell you who they are, believe them. Too often we just don't believe. Or we are so optimistic we think, oh, well, he'll change for me. And then we're so shocked, stunned, and amazed when he doesn't change for me. He's still the same abusive marauder that he always was, and we are shocked. Now, to all those men, who claim the wife became a barracuda, and I've heard I've heard this more actually from men than I have from women. They claim that that wife was the sweetest, most gentle, most wonderful creature on two legs until we got married, and then all hell broke loose. She turned into this, I don't even know what to call her. It was just horrible. For all those guys, I will challenge that claim because in every single situation that I've had the opportunity to speak to, the friends and the relatives of that man, there's always someone who saw that woman for who she was and is not surprised at how things turned out. So let's say you've made the choice, right or wrong. Now what? Make the relationship a priority. Stop working around the clock. Stop chasing money. Stop filling your days with so much stuff that you have nothing left to give your partner. This is especially true for marriages because, you know, if you're dating – you can just kind of say, you know what, I don't have to take this. I'm going home. And off you go. <laughs> so another suggestion, build on your friendship. Friends spend time together just kicking it. Friends hang out. They do stuff together. They laugh and they giggle together. So build on your friendship. Don't stop being friends just because you're married. Don't stop being friends just because you're too busy being parents or employees. And I suspect um, that this actually is one of the, the big things that kills a marriage. It's neglect. And it's neglect oftentimes because you get so busy with the kids, with the household, with the work and everything else, the dog, the cat, the guinea pig, the pets, the school activities. You get so busy with all of those things that you end up neglecting each other in the relationship. What else? Turn inward. It is so easy to turn to sources outside your relationship for satisfaction when things are not going well. And there are so many things that you can turn to, Internet, porn, clubs, social media, even work. You can meet people, complete strangers online. Hobbies and friends can take valuable time and attention away from your relationship. Turn in to your relationship and focus on that. And try, try, try not to find fulfillment that you should be getting in your marriage from elsewhere. Another thing you can do, pay attention to the signs and listen to what your spouse is saying. Because oftentimes your spouse will express his or her needs either verbally or they will signal to you like those body pillows, those are signals, or they'll just tell you, perhaps directly, perhaps indirectly. If you're one of those people who's kind of tone deaf to things like that, ask. Just in conversation, learn about your partner's needs, especially 
if you are feeling like your needs are not being met, it's a pretty good bet that this is the time to ask your partner because their needs are probably not being met either. Women, be sure to make time for physical intimacy for your spouse. A little sex goes a long way. Men, help her around the house with the kids. It's amazing how much likelier it will be that she will have the energy to play with you at the end of the day. If you cannot figure out what his needs are or what her needs are, buy the book. There's actually a book called His Needs, Her Needs. And uh, you will find it on the posting for this show on www.speedway.com. Get the book and talk to each other about your needs. Then make a concerted effort to fulfill them. For those of you who love God and have a relationship with him, ask him about the relationship. My life manual says, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find. I have always found that when I ask God for the truth, he will tell me, and he will tell you too. It may come out in the words or behavior or of your spouse or your significant other. It may, it may come out through the wise counsel of friends and acquaintances or family members. Um, sometimes I find, you know, I might ask God a question on Monday and then on Tuesday I'm just having just a totally unrelated conversation with a friend and all of a sudden the conversation just turns to this topic that I had just asked God about and here is my friend who has no idea that God and I had this conversation and my friend is giving me the exact answer to the exact question that I had asked and then I know that God is talking to me and I pay really close attention if you are in love with a person that no one in your family likes and none of your family members are crazy about, that might be God trying to tell you in 50 different ways that this relationship is not right for you. If women start coming out of the woodwork telling you that your future spouse is the worst kind of marauder since Attila the Hun, that may be the truth coming at you. And sometimes the truth may not even be about your partner. It may be about you and who and where you are that needs to change. The question is, once you are faced with the truth, what are you going to do about it? If you still go forward and pursue the relationship anyway, you don't really have the right to complain. If that same truth comes back to bite you on the backside, would you agree? Now, if you have been married for years, and let's say it's not fun anymore, then one thing that you can do is rekindle your friendship. There are movies about marriages that are sort of stagnating where the couples decide they're going to rekindle their love with wonderful results. Now those are movies and they are fiction, but it is instructive. Make a conscious choice to set aside the contempt, the boredom, the familiarity, and do whatever you need to do to rediscover why you were so excited about coming home to this person at the beginning. Is it easy? Oh, of course not. If it was, everybody would be joyfully and happily married. And I am sad to say that I know a lot of couples that are married, but they're not joyful and they sure aren't excited about their relationship. I've heard a lot of people say, well, you know, divorce is just taking the easy way out. And I'm here to tell you, anyone who says that has never gone through it. Being married is hard. Being divorced is hard. The trick is finding the joy in your present circumstances. So I'm not saying that these things are easy to do, not by a long shot. 
I'm not saying, in fact, I can't point to a single person that I can say has nailed it and has figured it out, and um, uh, I include myself in in that list of never (laughs) and nobody. So um, I'm not saying that I've got it figured out. Uh, I don't know anybody who does, but I think that we all struggle. And we all struggle to do better in our relationships. And and really, that is the underlying fundamental reason that the show even exists, to be an idea exchange so that we can all get better at our relationships. At the end of the day, what I hope you take from this discussion is that you don't have to be a victim of circumstance. I used to consider myself a victim of my marriage until I started praying for the truth, and every time I turned around, God was pointing the finger at me. Life doesn't have to happen to you. You don't have to be the powerless person who was cheated on and can't do anything about it. I intentionally chose a provocative title for this show to get you thinking about what you can do to save yourself from future heartache, and pain. And to that point, I say, be encouraged. My life manual says, God heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. This is Speedway saying, thank you for sticking with me through this difficult topic today. Until next week, go in peace. Examine your behaviors and change your experience. Thank you for joining us on The Speedway Show. Visit thespeedwayshow.com for content and other episodes. Join the fan page at facebook.com slash thespeedwayshow. And follow Speedway on Twitter at the handle The Speedway Show. Until next week, live well, live fully, and love deeply.